Hello and welcome to The Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I am very excited to be joined in The Pain Cave this afternoon by one of the great ultra runners in the United States today and kind of the new king of really long distance ultra running and we'll get into that in just a second. On the phone is the great Pete Kostelnik. Pete is a distance runner from the Midwest sponsored by Hoka One One and Squirrels Nut Butter. And Pete has just returned from a rather epic trip across the continent that we will discuss very shortly. Pete, welcome to the Pain Cave. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. You just finished uh, what we will get into in just a second, your infamous key to key run. Within the last couple of weeks, how are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I've we can get into it more later, but I've you know I've I've done other r- runs kind of like this, and I feel you know I feel good uh, in in comparison. So I got a little more recovery to do, but I'm pretty optimistic. So, Pete, you've been at the kind of forefront of this sport for quite some time. Give us a little bit of background of uh, you know your athletic background, how you got into ultra running in general and you know before i think you're you're most known at least in the last couple of years for these very long fkt kind of epic runs but you had a lot of success before that so for people who may not be familiar with your career give us a little bit of background about how you started and what you were doing until the last few years yeah um you know i i I kind of got started in uh, marathon running in uh, the end of college and it was kind of more of like an accident if, if I was like naturally in good shape or <laughs> anything <laughs> I wouldn't have even gotten into the sport but uh, when I was a senior in college I, all I really wanted to do was uh, just just drop a few pounds and feel a little have you know not feel winded going upstairs at work um, I work I'm basically like an accountant so I, I work desk jobs um, most most of the time and um yeah, so 2008, I, I did the Marine Corps Marathon, and when I finished, uh, I was only I just turned 21, so I had a beer, and I told myself I wasn't going to do it again, <laughs> another marathon <laughs> uh, ever again. Um, and then uh, I met my wife at um, my last semester of college, uh, about a few months later after that, and I was back out of shape, hadn't run in a couple months, and um, I kind of had a crush on her, and uh, and she was actually one of my three roommates. Um, and she would go running with one of the other roommates, and so I'd be like, "Well, how do I spend more time with her?" And so I just went and run, and uh, she kind of forced me to get back into shape if I wanted to spend more time with her. <laughs> and so, oh wow! Um, from there, <laughs> it was like a like a move of romantic desperation. Yeah, yeah, like because the first time I went running with her, I I only made it like we were running on an indoor track at Iowa State in the winter, and um, I got like two and a half miles in, and then I was I just couldn't keep up with her anymore, and so she I had to like stop to walk, and so. <laughs> I kept I, I I spent probably more time at the indoor track that winter than I did in class. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that so you know I I I've always kind of had like a little competitive edge, I guess. Like um, I've you know I can never really just take anything. I, I like to have fun, but I also like to make things uh, interesting and challenging. And so um, my goal was to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Uh, later that year and i did just barely actually um and so i was kind of hooked on road marathons just because i didn't know really what else was out there and um kept getting a little it band injuries here and there didn't really know what i was doing in training the next couple years um and so in 2011 i heard about 
I started hearing about these ultra marathons and just ridiculous distances and FKT type stuff like rim to rim to rim. Uh, so I actually did my first ultra marathon that year, kind of as a, a joke uh, slash dare with some friends over a beer. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was actually appropriately named brew to brew in Kansas city is a 44 mile uh, 10 leg relay. And so you can do it solo. And so I, I, I did that and somehow got third place. Um, is that guy, like, guy, uh, between two breweries or anything? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, between uh, Free State Brewery, or at least it was until, I don't know if they changed the start or the finish, but it starts at um, Boulevard Brewery in Kansas City and oh. and end at Free State Brewery in Lawrence, Kansas. I was going to ask if uh, it's an, if it's a uh, brewery run in Kansas City. It's got to be Boulevard. That's one of my favorites. Oh, yep, they're great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did that, and I, you know, I, did, I did rim to rim to rim on a whim uh, with a couple of friends. Kind of just over a three-day weekend, we drove out to – uh, last minute out to, um, a 20 hour drive out to Flagstaff and then did, did rim to rim to rim at the Grand Canyon. Um, and it, I, I kept, that was probably one of the most painful things I've ever done. Cause I didn't know what I was doing at all when I went out there <laughs> and did that and, um, nearly killed myself cause I packed a couple cliff bars and a couple, uh, cliff, um, cliff block packs, but, um, I loved it though. Like two, two days later, I was like, gosh, I love that. And, and just, just the element of like putting yourself in difficult situations and finding your way, you know, Houdini, Houdini your way out of them. Uh, I've always kind of taken pleasure in, um, so, you know, the couple of, the next few years after that, uh, I was kind of more of a, just want to do Western States someday, you know, do a hundred mile trail run every year. Right. Really, really just look to finish. Um, and then I also had Badwater. So like Western States and Badwater were kind of on my bucket list. Um, Badwater had actually been on my bucket list for a really long time or not, not really on my bucket list, just something I was aware of. Um, since I was you know, in college, I just had heard about it. Um, but, but you- I never really, I never had like the aspiration to actually do it. It was right, just kind right. of, like this thing in the back of your head, like you read about in ESPN magazine or something. And yeah, I remember, um, I remember um, <laughs> th- that reading about it in like Sports Illustrated or something weird before I was even kind of aware of ultras in general. Um, yep. That had sort of a reputation, and you know, unlike you, I never had any desire to do it whatsoever even as i got into ultras that, that's one that never kind of struck my fancy but you seem to jump like scrolling through your your ultra sign up ultra sign up and stuff you ran your first marathon in 2011 and by 2012 it looked or your first ultra rather in 2011 by 2012 you're running like six or eight of them a year and and uh you know distances from 50k up to 100 miles you just jumped in like feet first yep yep yeah you know i loved it um you know i i i've always kind of increase my mileage i've always kind of been a higher mileage guy so um it, it kind of i had a kind of natural progression into it uh from marathoning for a, a few years um and it, and one of my things has always been like how do i beat myself in the previous year and for the longest time i just kept running more miles <laughs> and more races and going further um and so I've, I've these last few years it's kind of been a struggle for me it's like well i, I can't really go further so I've, that's one thing i had to kind of grasps last year <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah so i you know i i um getting into bad water is kind of a little you know it's a little less clear you know even though the you know, the western states lottery just took place and it seems like it now it takes eight nine years to get in but yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Badwater was like, well, I don't know if I'll ever, you know, it's it's a little different process where you have to apply and you, it kind of just goes behind the curtain and then, you know, they invite you or they don't invite you. But um, yeah, so I got into Badwater. Um, I, I did actually a run across Iowa in 2013. Um, uh, it was like the rag ride bike ride, except I, instead of biking, <laughs> I, I decided to run, which no one had ever done. And two of us did it that year. And um, so I got into Badwater the next year in 2014, and that's kind of where things just started to change. Um, you know, I, I was living in Nebraska and got kind of in with a good running team there that was really, in, like, I do almost all my training by myself. Um, but they are very, it was very inspirational to have, the, like, those fast guys, to keep you honest, like those, uh, you know, 14, 15-minute 5K guys. And um, so I think that really helped my training to kind of be exposed to that and because I never really, I, I never really was like a college runner or anything right. like that. Did you run in um, high school? Yeah, I did. I just did a couple of years, junior year and senior year of cross country, and I, I never really was that fast or anything. Right. Okay. But uh, but the concept of doing like interval training and and kind of varying intensities and that sort of thing that wasn't completely foreign to you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Not not completely. So. Because that's so yeah yeah that's where a lot of ultra runners I think get into. I don't want to say into trouble, but, you know, especially people who come to it a little bit later in life, they don't realize kind of how important it is to vary those intensities in their training. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that was one thing I had. A, I think that's why I, I wanted out of marathon running because I, I was doing like the same run every day. Right. <laughs> I, like I was just kind of in a black hole of training. I never really talked to anybody um, for the longest time. And then uh, so yeah, that, that, that helps, I think in Nebraska and I got, you know, more serious about running and competing, uh, rather than, you know, not just finishing, but, you know, finishing races, but wanting to just do it as, as quickly as I could. Right. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, 2015 rolled around and I, I started competing even more, you know, as a little leaner, um, finished first at Badwater that year and ran, uh, actually this weekend is desert solstice. I'm going out there. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to do much of anything. I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'm really there yet, but I ran 163 miles at desert solstice on a 400 meter track. Yeah. And that's currently, it's still the course record, but I feel like it's going to go down this weekend. So I'm, well, I'm we'll, saying it we'll now. Get, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. Cause we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So, yep. I mean, so that's right. Kinda it's where I came from. Yeah. So, I mean, it's real easy to say, you know, and then 2015, I went and won Badwater, but you know, that's, that's a, a pretty short journey from just starting a few years before. What was, you said you ran your first marathon at Marine Corps and you know, that was pretty much like many of us said, well, it's the last time I'll ever do that. But you, you must have had some inkling that you had some promise uh, to be able to progress that quickly through the sport. How, how I mean, your your early results, were they were they promising in terms of you felt good or you were placing highly or what was it that kind of motivated you to keep going? Because uh, jumping in a bad water and winning straight off the bat is is not the usual progression for most of us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I. I guess, you know, I, I never, like, my first marathon wasn't fast at all. It was, like, 3.30-something. Okay, um, solid, but right, not not lighting yeah. the world on fire. I think I think what I was proud of was, you know, I, I always <laughs> I always say that I'm the fastest non-runner. Like, I, I, <laughs> if, you, if you look for a photo of me at the that race, I was wearing uh, basketball shorts even longer than Courtney Dahlwalter <laughs> and, uh, a, like, some sort of, like, 
do-rag hat that I got in Greece when I was <laughs> there one time and um and like a my high school running t- running shirt and so I, I I just look ridiculous um <laughs> and I don't wear basketball shorts anymore but I still feel like that guy that's just you know shows up and is it's just a little different a little different mindset than everybody else right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you you I mean you made some really really steady progress and then Badwater obviously was a, a huge breakthrough through you 20 for you uh 2015 being a a, a big year Tell us a little bit about Badwater. Have you always been good in the heat? Where, where are you from originally? And, you know, how did you handle the heat there? And, and um, you know, how, how has that kind of guided your career since then? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to the heat at Badwater. Um, you know, I don't do like any sauna training. Um, I've grown up all over the Midwest. I've lived in Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, um, now live in Ohio. So I, you know, I, I get, I get some of the heat, but you know, I don't live in the desert by any means. Okay. Um, so, you, you know, I, and actually this year I DNF'd at Badwater. So, right. uh, you know, you just never know. And, you know, honestly this year I'll be the first one to say I didn't do enough heat training and this year was about the hottest it's been out there. I think. And yeah, it was like really years. legendary this year. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that I mean that's something I, I I think I just got a little over like a little cocky honestly like oh I've been here I've I've won this race and this year I took a a few shortcuts with heat training so um yeah you know I think it's just getting I think the year 2016 when I actually broke the course record um the conditions were a little bit more favorable but uh, three weeks before that I ran Western States so um, you know I think it's getting like one of those long intense. 60 to 100 mile like hot runs in like and it's it's all about timing with that race too like right you know you, you can do all the heat training you want um you know three months out but it's really just those like three weeks leading into the race you just gotta torture yourself really and i think that's the key and and i'm, have, I'm sorry go on uh, and having a good crew too and um that that's huge for bad water i've had i've been so lucky to have like the best crews there every year right right and how do you i mean what specifically do you do in terms of um heat training are you running in a sauna are you doing like extended sauna sessions or is it more just you know running in the heat of the day i mean it's hard to get it's probably hard to mimic those temperatures in the midwest not that it doesn't get hot but but not not anything like you're gonna face when you go into the, the death valley yeah, I think, you know, I think it's just running in the heat of the day. Um, you know, I remember like in 2015 and 2016, I would do, um, I mean, this sounds crazy, but I would, I would do two to three weekends where I would do like a 60 to 70 mile out and back run several times to my car, just out and exposed, um, crushed limestone trail. And mm-hmm. it'd be, you know, 80 to hundred degrees usually, um, each time I did that. And sometimes I, w- I, I wouldn't really like put a bunch of layers on, but some, you know, if it was a little nicer in the morning, I'd maybe put a, a long sleeve shirt on just to make it a little bit warmer. Um, but I think, it, I, yeah, I think it's just getting used to not only the heat, but then like just kind of torturing yourself <laughs> for over, <laughs> over 50 miles going into a little bit of a pain cave and, uh, and coming back out of it. Right. Right. Do you do any specific sauna training or anything like that? No, no, I never, I've never, I've never really set foot in a sauna. Wow. So yeah, that, that first win at Badwater was, I think probably what put you on the map for the most part. And then later that year is when I think a lot of people nationally started to know you. Cause as you alluded to it, there's a solstice. 
you know, you, you undersold it a little bit, I think, saying that you have the course record there on that 400 meter track. But that's not only the course record. That's, I think, the fifth fastest or fifth longest 24, fifth best 24 hour performance in American history, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. So, okay. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let's not undersell it too much. So 163 miles, uh, I think, for 24 hours, which still uh, nobody in the last three years has has broken. I think uh, Olivia has probably come the closest to besting that earlier this year. Was that your first 24 hour? Or I, I think you might have had one before that. Yeah, yeah, I did have one. Um, I, about a year before that, I did one in. Uh, it turned into a blizzard in Kansas. Oh God! <laughs> I got like a hundred. Oh, it was like 123 miles, and then I I quit at 23 hours because it was snowing so bad. Wow. Wow. There was one guy, Dave Meath. Big shout out to my my buddy. He he stuck it out and and he uh, he got his hundred mile buckle as well that night. <laughs> nice, nice. Despite the conditions, so yep. I mean, one twenty three. That's a obviously a solid debut, and and considering conditions, probably more than solid. But that's a long ways as as somebody who's you know run one hundred and twenty three in his debut as well. That's a long ways from one hundred and sixty three. Did you have any inkling going into solstice in fifteen that you were primed for a breakthrough like that? You know, I did. Um, I was, because um, I remember telling my, my parents actually came down and crewed me there. Um, and, you know, I told them like, all right, here, like, I, I have this really small window. I know I'm going, it was just really weird. Like now during the race, there were a lot, there were a few times where I was, I felt like I was crashing and like, I was literally going to fall over because I just couldn't even feel like I could barely stand on my legs. Right. Um, but yeah, going into the race, I was like, all right, it's somewhere between 159 and 166 is like where I'm going to be. And yeah, it just, it was incredible. Like it just, everything went completely to plan. Wow. You knew you had the window that narrow just going in. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. And I, you know, I haven't had a 24 hour race since then. <laughs> like that. I'm going to get back there though, one, one way or another, and I'm going to beat that. So one of these days, <laughs> let, let me ask you as an aside, <clears throat> because I'm always curious about this. I'm trying to kind of develop a, a better strategy for approaching the 24. And I'm always interested in, in people's approaches, you know, in terms of how best to pace it. Some people are very much in the you know, even split camp, you know, if, if you want to run 150 miles, that's nine minute pace or whatever it is, you just got to run nine minute pace the whole time. And, and other people say you want to bank some, some miles early because you know, you're going to slow down late. I always go back to Sabrina's quote on her strategy, which was go through a hundred as fast as you can. And then whatever you can get after the hundred miles is good. Uh, how do you, how do you approach it? Are you uh, more of a kind of, do you split it up into segments? Do you just try and run even splits the whole way? What's, what's your, what's your strategy? Yeah. I, you know, I break, I like to break it down into like four hour or six hour, um, segments, um, from like a planning perspective and, and, and really try to hold to it. Um, you know, the one thing that kind of fascinates me with the 24 hour is that there are people that have, that have not very many, maybe just a few that have actually negative split a 24, um, Bob Hearn is probably one of those guys that comes really close every time. Right. And he's, Uh, he's one of the big proponents of you run even splits. You start out at the pace you want to finish and you just do it. Yeah. Even within like the first hour or two, mix in a little bit of walking. Right. Um, And, but then, you know, you look at people like Mike Morton who has the American record and he, if you look at his splits, um, it's been a while since I looked at them, but he was just flying when he started, he was doing, you know, his 
172 miles over 24 hours is like somewhere around an 820 pace, right? Which is incredible in itself. But if you actually look at his splits, he was starting at like seven minute miles for quite a while, if I remember right. Um, so for me, I'm always, you know, I always think I'm going to fall off a little bit. Like some people say, where are you, you where you're going to be at 11 hours, you know, you double that and that's going to be your finish. Um, you know, I like to think I can be a little more even than that. Like mm-hmm. when I got 163, I think I was somewhere around 84, 85 miles at the halfway point. Um, oh, that's pretty damn close so, to even. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think, you know, starting out, I, I, I you know, I never, I, I try to never think about banking, um, and essentially, and more, more or less just try to hold on as, as long as you can, can and <laughs> keep, keep pushing that, keep pushing that finish line out as far as you can. Okay, cool, cool. And then, yeah, 2016, another big year. You got into States for the first time, and then you set the course record at Badwater. Um, tell us a little bit about that kind of double. How did, how did that go for you? Did you, were you able to recover? I mean, obviously, you were able to co- recover adequately. Did you do anything differently that, you know, made that recovery better for such a tight turnaround? And, you know, getting into, you know, that'll kind of take us into the, the uh, transcontinental and the key-to-key, which obviously... Uh, recovery is is something we have to talk about of the utmost. So, what'd you learn in that kind of turnaround between Western States and Badwater in 2016 that would aid you going forward? Yeah, it's you know 2016 was a really bizarre year because um, it started out with me um, dropping from a number of like marathons and shorter races, and honestly, I haven't even run them anything that was scheduled to be under 100 miles since. 2015. <laughs> so it's, I'm sitting here three years later. I still haven't signed up for anything under 100 miles. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, I I I, uh, I dropped from mile 10 at a, that brew to brew 44 mile race. Um, I, I signed up for it again that year, and um, you know, I was I was sit, I, I literally when I dropped, I was crying, and, and like my whole wife picked me up, and we literally drove back to Nebraska from Kansas. Um, and I, I didn't know, like, well, and I actually knew the week before that, that I was very, very anemic and I shouldn't have even gone down there at all to run that race. Huh. Um, cause, uh, I tried donating blood at work and they said, wow, you like, if you were at a hospital right now, you need, you would get a blood transfusion cause your hemoglobin's a seven and like the minimum you oh, would God. want for a healthy male is like 14. Yeah. 12 to it, 13 it, at the absolute. Yeah. Basically. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I, th- you know, I, I was scared because they thought that something was wrong with me. Like I was, you know, I, ha- I had something so that like they were like concerned that I was leaking blood or sure. doing something. And, um, it turned out it was probably just because of all the 250, 200 mile training weeks I was putting in, um, without eating like red meat or any, anything with iron in it. So, huh. um, you know, sorry to all my vegetarian friends, but I, I, I got back on meat, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and and so by the time uh, Western States came around, I'd only done really like a couple trail runs because I was like I couldn't even run uphill because that's like when, you, when you're anemic, that's sure. the first thing that goes. You can't even like yeah so any, going any kind of Western, intensity, right? Yeah, so like I I could run all day like on a treadmill or on flat you know flat pavement, but um, when I got out to Western States, I was like, oh gosh, I'm I'm gonna like embarrass myself. I'm not gonna be able to go up any hills, and it actually you know I've and it, it, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, I was, uh, the hills were the, going uphill was the least of my problem. It was going back down and all the, 
all the quad crushing I did. Um, right. But so after Western States, like I couldn't get up or downstairs at all for a week. And I was like, gosh, I got bad water in two weeks. And I remember one day just texting one of my friends that was going to crew for me at Badwater when he said, oh, so you you going for the back-to-back win? I'm like, F, no, I'm going <laughs> to f- try to finish and save my reputation there as well. And then then we can start talking about the Transcon and all good stuff. And so I went into Badwater that year. Just honestly, like I, I never tell people I just want to finish, but I <laughs> I really was just like, okay, I just want to just not embarrass myself and, and do okay and give myself a little more time to get, get my blood back and get on the transcon. And, um, yeah, it, it just, it was just crazy. It was one of those races that you just don't even know, like who's, who's giving you a big boost at your back or like what's going on. And, um, I think doing Western States three weeks before was, was like a blessing in disguise. Cause it, it made me be fresh and not really overtrain or anything, get going into, to bad water. Hmm. Um, and what did so, you do to kind of build up your, your, uh, blood counts, your hemoglobin again? Was it basically just like you said, just changing your diet, getting on iron supplements and allowing your body the time to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of like a two to three month process. Yeah, it's, like lucky for me, it, it does take a while. Like you can't just like go, go, go. No, uh, not like you can get transfused house. and right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I was eating, I, I think I went, so where I worked in Lincoln, Nebraska is right across the street from a Chipotle and I had Chipotle for lunch every single day for like, <laughs> I actually, I had it so many times in a row that I won some sort of like catered meal uh, for like coworkers. <laughs> like if you go there more than like, I don't know, like 30 times or in like two or three months. <laughs> and so that's hilarious. Um, that was my parting gift to my coworkers was, Oh, here you go. Here's a catered, uh, Here's a catered meal for all of you. And so I think it was, that was a big thing. I was having red meat or like steak specifically for lunch uh, and with Chipotle every day. And um, I was taking a lot of iron supplements with vitamin C supplements right. just about every day as well. And, and liquid, liquid iron as well. It's very good. Right. Um, right. Good absorbable way to get your iron up. The only problem with is like, you know, you read the label on a lot of stuff and it'll say, oh, it's got, 10,000 percent of your daily iron requirements yet it's it's all about absorption with iron and so right um just taking like the iron iron pills won't always do much for you it's, right you know it's it's getting it through food and then that liquid iron i think is a really good right way to do it as well right. and i assume you had to go through a whole workup to rule other stuff out you probably had to do a colonoscopy and all this other garbage yeah yeah i, had, I did have to do a colonoscopy yeah <laughs> I, was, I was that's uh, no picnic joking. Yeah, I was joking with my dad because obviously he's at that age, and I was like, oh, I'll beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, course record at Badwater that year, and but you, I'm sure, already knew. I mean, the, the Transcon had to be in the works in terms of the planning. Like, you knew that was coming pretty shortly down the pike after that. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, so, you know, that was that was like my main main focus you know even with Badwater and western states uh because i had you know mentioned like i'd already gotten the time off work uh six seven week leave from work and you know every there was no turning back at that point right um, getting you know a crew in line for the entire trip so um yeah that was you know you, you can have a bad race here and there but you know the transcon's like no you're not gonna have a bad transcon because you probably never get another chance to do it what was it that kind of 
captured your imagination about that. I mean, it's it's obviously a, an epic kind of undertaking that's been in the public consciousness for a long time. But it had been a while since anyone had really taken a legit, I think, crack at that record. I mean, Frank's record had stood for a couple of decades and it had been a while since even uh, I think Marshall Ulrich had taken a decent shot at it, um, but it, it had kind of faded a little bit from the ultra running scene over the, the previous several years. What, how, how did you settle on that? Was it just that you kind of knew that you could get the time off and figured you'd take advantage of it, or was it something else that you had been planning for a long time? Yeah, you know, I, I met Marshall Ulrich in uh, 2011 at the Pikes Peak Marathon, and um, right when I was getting into ultra running, and um, I was like, well, you know, I, I went there and I was like, couldn't wait to get my picture with Matt Carpenter because it was the last year that he won the marathon, I think. Right. Um, at the age of 47. A very Unbelievable. Marathon. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and, but Marshall was out there and I never met, I never even heard of Marshall uh, prior to that. And uh, he was, he gave, he was like the speaker at the expo at the dinner. And mm-hmm. um, so I was just blown away. Like I got a, my picture with, um, Nikki and my wife and I got a picture with him in front of the, like the poster for his book. Um, and I read his book a few times, a few, like, you know, I don't read too many books multiple times and I read it two or three times and I was just like, I felt like I was already there and like, I'd already done it with him. Like, that's how like much it sunk into me. Um, reading about his run across America in 2008. Mm-hmm. And, um, so like growing up, um, my family, we drove everywhere. We went to pretty much every state you can go to besides Hawaii (laughs) and, uh, in a, in a, in a van with seven of us packed in. And, um, I saw that like road trips has always been a passion of mine. If I can get there by car, if I, if I have enough time off work and, um, whoever's going with me is willing to drive, I'll drive wherever. And, um, so I've always loved road trips and, ultra running like mixing ultra running with road trips was kind of like just a dream come true to me so um i was just like blown away beyond proportion um hearing about his run and not really thinking about going for a record just to do it someday right um but then once once i started competing a little bit more like at badwater especially and um I just, you know, it was just like one of those things that kind of just hit me like, I, you know, I think I can, can go for that record. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to, and, and my wife and I were moving to Missouri. So I thought I was going to end up having to find a new job anyways, although my, my work let me stay on remotely after. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and so it was just kind of one of those timing things too. Like it just kind of fit with, with life and, um, just knowing that like I've seen a lot of my friends, that were capable of doing really incredible things that, you know, they had a kid or something got, you know, not in the way, but just something else took over and they never got a chance to do it, stuff like that. So I thought, well, if I don't do it today, I'll never do it. Right. um, What kind of went in blind, not really knowing what I was doing, but um, we, you know, after about a week into that run, uh, our, my team was just, incredible like we we had a system down and we knew exactly what we were doing and we just kind of just kept executing every single day yeah and something like that like you said it requires a a really dedicated team um and a lot of it is i think just kind of getting into the routine right of you know like you said knowing what needs to be done and executing a plan just on a on a kind of a just a granular level day after day 
Talk a little bit about how you recovered, because for me, just to conceptualize something like that, the recovery is just the kind of the limiting factor. Getting out and doing 70 plus miles a day is unbelievable. But, you know, especially somebody with your ability can cover that ground fairly quickly, you know, relatively quickly, at least. Um, and the trick is maybe not so much getting the miles in, but just then being able to get up and do it again the next day. What were your recovery strategies? How did your team help you kind of get ready each day for the next day's task? Yeah, um, you know, I, I would usually, so I usually had about a nine hour, nine to 10 hour window between end of day, start of next day. So um, most of that time I was sleeping. So one of the challenges was like, how do we, you know, making sure all the decisions get made, like, you know, I'm, I'm aware of everything, like, you know, if there's something goofy with the route for the next day, someone's got like, just kind of squeezing that all into that, like one hour window. And I'm like, sitting on the couch in the RV with my feet up eating dinner. <laughs> so right. it, was just, it was just, it was kind of hilarious um, to see all that kind of play out um, each night. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I had a, a lady named Cinder who um, drove the RV, cooked amazing meals. So, so the meals were a huge part of recovery mm-hmm. every night. Um, but then she was also a massage therapist. So she would uh, give me a massage before I went to bed each night. And so that would, really help a lot too yeah um and then we had uh chuck and dean who crewed me throughout the day um they were both well dean especially was very well versed in in uh in medical knowledge and so um you know if i had like a blitz i didn't get many blisters but if i had like a blister or something or like a skin <laughs> something going on with my skin mm-hmm. uh he would always fix it so you know things like that like that you kind of just um, there's just so many things that can go wrong when you're pushing your body. You, you just become so, so susceptible to like sickness and and just things going bad when your body is always trying to recover. So like you know, having people there to solve anything that goes wrong was just huge. Um, but other than that, like I didn't do I didn't do a whole lot of like ice or anything like that. I am I don't know. I've always kind of believed in more of like a natural mm-hmm. um, recovery process. And you said you, you know, it was important that you kind of still be aware and, and, and kind of contribute to the planning for the day or whatever. But I have to imagine some of just the benefit of having such a dedicated crew was that it took a lot of the decision making and the stress out of your out of your mind, basically, so that you could just focus on the task of doing the actual running. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. And that, that was part of my like, I would I, I guess kind of like my uh inspiration to do a self-supported run was like I, I all i was doing was really was running i was eating running sleeping showering and, doing all right. again. <laughs> and uh yeah i didn't i didn't really have to worry too much about anything else in life other than just get your butt out the door and right down the road and you guys had it pretty dialed i mean there, there were very few days that i remember following that from afar where you weren't hitting your goals i mean it was it was like almost every single day was kind of between that 70 and 75 mile mark you know normally when you're following something like this you're like uh you know something went wrong i had to take a zero or you know i only got 30 miles in because of x y or z i mean when we were following phil mccarthy this summer uh and he did a great job and i think had the one of the five fastest transcons ever but yeah there were a couple of days and there was like i just didn't have it today i only got through 45 and and there were very few if any of those days when you did it i mean the, the consistency was just remarkable yeah, yeah, we yeah, we we really had a great system down after that. And and it was funny like um 
we I, I don't know how but we always we never really had to stake out either is like we always found a place to park the rv along the route every night between 70 and 75 miles it's amazing <laughs> i and i'm still amazed like because i the first couple of days i'll be honest i complained a lot about doing the first day i wanted to do over 80 miles but the second day ended up being 80 and i was just like what the f guys why why am i going so far <laughs> uh, i thought it was supposed to be like you know shorter than that and then uh uh then they they got it pretty much right on like and, and that was the big thing. It was like in the after, I would try to do about 40 miles in the morning, have lunch at the RV, and then do like a 50K to 35 miles in the afternoon. And um, that was the amazing thing was like they would find a place down the road and the, R the RV would be parked. And then with like 15, 20 miles to go, they would radio it back and like figure out where I was. And then I could get like a countdown going like, okay, I got 6.7 miles to go and like it was always it always seemed to be like right on <laughs> wow that's perfect so that was 2016 and i think I, I can understand the kind of the impetus to want to pursue something a little bit more self-supported after that but you really kind of took it to a, a really ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous level with your next your next big project how did the idea for the key to key come about where did you get that kind of idea and you know, what was it that made you say, I, I'm, I'm going to do it kind of more or less completely solo at this time? Uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, 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 getting done with the run across America, it was like one of those things I, I kind of joke with people. It's like being involved in like a drug cartel, like, you know, like the, uh, uh, show like breaking bad, like where all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm in so deep already. Now I got to just like, I got to kill like five other people. <laughs> no, it's like one of those things where like, all right, I just ran across the country. I broke a record. Everything went like perfect, right to plan. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I didn't enjoy any of that. Like I was, you know, I turned, uh, you know, I run across America, something I thought was going to be like this amazing sightseeing expedition <laughs> into right, right, like right. this, like, all right, how do I have less pain each day slash like something that took way longer to recover from than I'd like to admit. Um, and so I, you know, I thought like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I want to do another run across America. Like I want to actually enjoy it this time, especially because I already did one that, you know, I, I enjoyed the result, but I didn't really um, enjoy the, the process so much. Right, so, right. Um, you know, I thought like, you know, how do I make it personal as well? Like, you know, San Francisco, New York, you know, a lot like, I think a lot of people agree that's kind of like the route across America, mm -hmm. um, like for a record. But um, in my mind, I was like, well, like what, you know, I, if I want to do another run across America, I want to do it self-supported. Like I, I, I just don't think I could get the money um, to do, you know, a supported run. And plus, you know, I think, I think it'd be more fun to, to, you know, have to solve my own problems and, and fix things mm -hmm. because it is a completely different challenge. And that's how most people, uh, do runs across America. Um, and then at the same time I knew though, like I had this competitive side to me where like, it, you know, if I ran, I don't know, San, like Los Angeles to Maine or something and like, you know, did a different route, but like, you know, didn't really push the envelope, then, you know, I, I would feel a little something missing, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought back like <laughs> to my childhood 
And my family, we took a, I was like, what are some of the most ridiculous road trips I've taken with my family? And of course, probably the most ridiculous one was uh, driving the Alaska Highway up to Alaska and mm-hmm. the Kenai Peninsula. And so that kind of popped into my head. I had a pretty good understanding of like the roads up in Alaska and like what, what is and isn't doable um, by foot or, you know, if you're wanting to do 60 miles a day. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, one day it just kind of popped in my head on, and I think I was actually like running, I think I was like running on a treadmill and I, I pulled up my phone and like literally opened up Google Maps and was like, <laughs> just kind of looking like, I wonder how far it would be from Alaska to Florida. And cause I would heard about when we were up there for vacation, um, people doing RV trips and motorcycle trips, uh, from Alaska to Florida or both ways. And, um, so I, 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 while I was running, I punched it in and I think it, you know, it spit out like 5,300 miles or something like that. And <laughs> so I was like, huh, I wonder how many days I could do that in. And I was like, well, it's, it'd be perfect. Like if I did two marathons, just over two marathons a day, I could do it in a hundred days. And right. so, um, I, I just became obsessed with it. And like, my wife can tell you, like, I just talked about it. Like, I think that was probably, um, summer, fall, uh, 2017. So it was already like a year before I attempted it. And, um, mentioned it to more friends that fall slash winter, but it was, it was just like one of those things, like, yeah, like you're just like oh yeah i want to you know uh try to get on like a game show and like you know (laughs) and like just like somebody and then once i get on that game show i'm gonna like price is right i'm gonna you know get called up and then i'm gonna you know win (laughs) and then i'm gonna get into the showcase and i'm gonna win the grand prize and also it's like all these things would have had to line up for this to work so i was just like i don't know and so i just did i just kind of sat there over the course of a couple weekends and like just mapped it out on my laptop and was like, just kind of waiting to see like, Oh, well, that's like a 400 mile section with no services. Therefore it'd be impossible. And I never got that conclusion. And so I was just like, (laughs) it's doable. And uh, between then and July 31st, I changed my mind about eight times on whether or not I wanted to do it. I was, uh, I remember texting my wife when I DNF'd at Badwater literally seven days before I started the run. Um, yeah, there's a 99.9999% chance I'm not going to Alaska anymore. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so it, I think it was just, you know, it was, it was kind of a balance of being so upset that I DNF'd at Badwater, but then also there's, I was just scared. I like, I was I scared out of my mind about doing it. It was like, you know, just doing one of those things where you really, it's like the thing you want the most in the world, but it's also like the thing you're the most scared of. Sure. And, um, just getting on the plane up to Alaska was like a win in my mind. Like, you know, even if I only make it a couple of days, it's, I'm just happy to be here. Nice. And how did your employer react when you said you needed another <laughs> several months off two years after you had just done the transfer? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it turned out we were actually moving again. Um, oh, so okay. I, so I this time, this wife, time it didn't matter. Anytime we have to move for her job, I tell her I get to run across another continent or, or do another continental run. Uh, so no, I, I actually no, I, I left my job. I, I you know I didn't even meant, I I still wasn't quite sure, and so I but I was just kind of thinking more and like long term, like well we're moving to Ohio, so um, you know I kind of used that as a, like an excuse. I didn't really want to <laughs> I didn't really want to tell anyone about the this run, and so I I. Um, 
they they didn't know about it until I mentioned it uh, a couple months later, the, <laughs> right before I started. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> so I don't I don't think they would have been too too cool with me just leaving <laughs> for four months. <laughs> so you flew up there, and basically you had your you had a, a baby jogger, right? Yeah, yeah. I shipped it up to uh, a friend up there um, a, a couple months beforehand. And so tell me what you basically had on your jogger. How how much did it weigh? Like, what are you carrying with you on a daily basis? Yeah, it, I mean, it was pretty heavy. Um, I can imagine. Uh, like, a lot of times, like, if I had to carry it up to, I would always give um, the motel front desk person the death stare if I had a second floor room. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would just, it would take forever to unload it and load it back up. It was like a ship, like, you know, just... Um, you know, it was, I, you know, I never weighed it, but I was pretty certain it was probably in the uh, 70 to 80 pound range, depending on how much water or food was on board with the, with the stroller. Um, I, you know, I, every day I would load up three, like 70 ounce water bladders. So that, and then, and then I, I had a pretty smart little system where I would just hook the hose in. And so like, I could literally just drink while I was running, and then once that bladder was out, I would just hook up another one, and um, right. so I never, I didn't have to waste a bunch of time like stopping for for a drink. Right. Um, I had a bear canister that would uh, sometimes I would have three, four, or five days of food uh, stashed in it, uh, mostly trail mix and chili um, mm-hmm. up in Alaska and the Yukon. Um, five pairs of clothes, but then you know the five pairs of clothes are pretty like you could pack it into something really small, but, um, it was like, I had jackets, rain pants, rain jacket, and that stuff took up a lot of space. Right. Um, let's see. How many pairs of shoes? Uh, you know, I had, I had my wife ship me pairs along the route, but I would always, always try to have two pairs with me. One, one wearing one in the stroller. Um, then I would have, I had a tent Mm -hmm. and an inflatable pillow. Thankfully I only had to camp a few times, but, um, cause camping just, it was terrible. Um, I, it was, it was mostly just like get a nap because I didn't have a sleeping bag or a sleeping pad. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, so I would just take a nap and then get back out on the road at wow. like four in the morning, right. three in the morning. I mean, the effort, um, the effort of just setting up and breaking down camp when you're that tired, it's gotta be just such a mental, like a mind fuck just to get over. Yeah. And, and days where it's like raining, you know, it's yeah. like, I hate to be like a wuss, but you, you know, setting up camp, you know, after you've driven in the rain versus running in the rain yeah. for 50 miles, it's just like, uh, you're just, you just, you're just cold to your core. And so yeah, I only had to do that a few times, but, um, I had, I had some other safety supplies. Like say there's nothing that I would say, there's nothing that safety pins and duct tape can't fix. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I had a, like a filter system as well that I didn't really have to use too much. Um, yeah, uh, I picked up a lot of souvenirs along the way. Up some, <laughs> I, I, by the finish, I had five license plates with me. Um, Just from like the side of the road? Yeah. Oh, yep. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I got uh, several people gave me like nice, like they're like cross country shirts from their hometown and stuff like that. And like oh, hat, that's great. Run, running clubs gave me their hats. And that's great. So yeah, it was, um, pretty cool. Um, but that, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, had some spare tires as well, just cause sure. I mean, I was putting, 
<laughs> I had more weight in that, probably twice as much weight in that stroller and twice as many miles on that stroller than anyone's ever done. So um, <laughs> it's inevitable. You're just going to have to change out tires every now and then. Right. For sure. For sure. Did, without having access to daily massages and stuff like that, did you find it a little more difficult to bounce back day after day than on your Transcon or not necessarily? Um, yeah, you know, I, I was recovering pretty well. Um, you know, I think... I think part of it is just, I think having done the transcon two years prior was a big help. Like my legs, um, you know, they're still, they're still trying to get back to the place where they feel great all the time, which mm-hmm. I, I, I really am looking forward to. <laughs> um, but that being said, they never like, they kind of just get stuck in their gray area sometimes. And like, they, they were kind of just in that gray area for most of this run and um, where they just like, they, they're very very durable they take forever to stretch right they, they get very my legs get very stiff um but yeah I, I was surprised i you know i i think if had i not done that transcon two years prior it wouldn't have been as the same result but my my legs felt pretty well battle tested for this one so did you get out of it what you wanted did you kind of get the experience that you were looking for in terms of like enjoyment or whatever you didn't feel like you found two years earlier out there? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and, and for me it's, you know, it's a lot of like those, um, those like, I don't know, like interacting with people. And even if you have like a disagreement with someone, I love it. Like I, I didn't have like any, like two years ago, my, all my interactions were just really nice people coming out to run with me and then family coming out to see me. And, um, so this run, you know, is I loved it. Cause it's like, you know, I, I get to a, a, like a, a lodge and, you know, they're sold out and the only play option is to sleep outside in the cold rain. And, you know, at the last second they let me stay in like this little, they're like, um, workers quarters and it's like literally this like trailer with a room inside the trailer (laughs) with just a a mattress with no pillows or anything on it and i just slept the night in there like couldn't have been happier but couldn't have been a crappier (laughs) little room uh out in the middle of nowhere in british columbia and just like things like that um you know (laughs) getting you know just kind of getting out there and just like feeling like you know there's nothing that is going to bring you down. Like you're just going to keep going every day. It doesn't matter if you have to, um, eat. I don't know if it doesn't matter if you get to live on candy bars for two days, like you're just going to make it through and it's just going to be that much better a story. So yeah, that's, I, you know, and it was so beautiful too. Like I tell people that this run was kind of like being at Disney world all day with no lines versus being at Disneyland standing in line the whole time. Like right. it's just like, there's just so much beauty, so, so much, so diverse, um, as well. And, um, yeah, like I, I'm one thing I want to do is like put together like, a just all the photos, like, and just in like a short sequence and like, just to see like the way the landscape changed like uh, 10 yeah. times over across the country. Um, cause that was, I mean, that, that was one of my favorite things was just, and not really knowing, you know, where the the road led, literally, like, you know, I'd been on the road, the Alaska Highway was almost 20 years ago. So, like, you know, you literally don't even know what's around the next bend. Right. Um, that, that was also, I got a big thrill out of that. Were you able to determine where your route crossed the route you had taken on the Transcon two years earlier? 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was a little emotional. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, uh, and it, it's funny because it was right near the. It was in Eastern Iowa. I'm from Iowa, and um, it was pretty much right at Highway 30 or close to Highway 30, which is a highway I grew up on. Oh wow! And um, and the same guy that ran with me, uh, Casey, he uh, met me at like the that intersection because he also remembered that's where it crossed two years prior, and it was just like that's amazing. It, yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting. And we, we got some fun photos there at that, that corner on, uh, I think it was like Mount Vernon Road or something. Oh, man, that's crazy. And then what happened to the stroller? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the, uh, is it the, the movie Transformers where uh, they bring back the Transformer from the dead at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> so, so the stroller, I've kind of like, dismantled it uh to get it back on a plane uh-huh. um but yeah it's still sitting in the garage like the the frame is sitting in the garage with the airline uh ticket or the airline sticker still on it so it'll come, ba- it'll come back from the dead one of these days it's still alive <laughs> May, the distance running hall of fame might want to call, call, <laughs> call that call that one in for a dis- display before we finish up I, I wanted to ask you kind of moving forward what your a little bit what your plans are, but what uh, I think more is your expectation. You had mentioned that recovering from the the cross-country run two years ago took you a lot longer than you had anticipated. And from, you know, uh, an outside observer standpoint, it seemed like you were just kind of starting to round back into kind of your pre-transcontinental run uh, form earlier in, in 2018. And then all of a sudden you were, you were out on this, uh, you know, amazing key-to-key adventure. But you know what what are you what what do you anticipate in terms of moving forward you know how long is it going to take you do you think to get back to kind of the 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 fast racing uh scenarios and and that kind of fitness where where you were prior to 2016 yeah um you know i hope i hope this year um you know i think uh i think the great thing is you know, I, I think I've made a lot of mistakes in 2017 as far as like overtraining, um, not listening to my body, things like that. Um, so yeah, you know, I feel really, I feel optimistic, but at the same time, if, if 2019 isn't my year, I'm not going to like get all upset like I did in 2017 and right. just like, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of arm, aren't like shoulders, arms, just, you know, what the heck's wrong TP, but um, no, I, you know, I feel pretty good about, uh, 2019. I have some work to do. You know, I was hoping to be ready again for desert solstice, which is kind of a moon, well, more of like a moonshot wish, but, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, I'll continue to run through the winter and, um, I, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of already starting to turn a little bit of a corner. I'm starting to get a little bit of my speed back at least a lot faster than I did, uh, two years ago. Good, good. So you think in 2017, was it a lot of just kind of trying to power through portions where you might not have been fully recovered and, and just setting yourself back a little bit further? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I, I think I definitely, um, you know, I think there is a time to train high mileage, but I think when I was trying to do it just like too soon mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, I was trying to, um, I think within like two or three months and I, so I never even got back to a point where I was doing any like anything other than just like slow, long, easy miles. Right. So I was just kind of, I just kept waiting and that time never really came. Right. Right. And it's hard when, you know, when the summer rolls around or the spring rolls around and, and the, 
kind of the races that you want to to do it. I mean, it's hard to say no when, yep. you know, you feel okay and you're like, well, maybe if I don't feel a hundred percent, but I feel all right. And, you know, it's just hard to, it, it really is hard to mentally take that break and, and kind of accept when you need the rest. And mm-hmm. yeah, th- that becomes a tough cycle, I guess. So Absolutely. solstice, I guess is going to be, you know, <laughs> more of a social thing maybe and, and catching up with everybody. Cause that's going to be a, a barn burner, I think up front. Uh, on both the men's and the women's side should be interesting. But what do you got planned moving forward from there? Yeah, yeah, that, I cannot wait for Desert Solstice. I'm so, I, you know, I'm I'm just excited to see what who does what out there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch uh, this weekend. But um, yeah, I'm I'm signed up for Fast Track and another, which is you know yeah. same concept as Desert Solstice sure. in Florida in uh, mid late. Uh, January, so I'm ho- I'm hoping to maybe be ready for that. I I kind of have in the back of my mind I want to get back on the U.S. 24 hour team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's not meant to be, then it's not meant to be. Um, you know, Badwater, good chance I might go back out this year. Um, maybe do some more trail races. Uh, you know, I, trails. You know, I've kind of gotten away from trails with these transcon runs and 24 right. hour six day shenanigans <laughs> but um i'd like to you know i'd like to sign up for that first race that's under 100 miles and uh, <laughs> over three years uh, <laughs> and, uh, um uh so and it's great being here in ohio there's more local options for for races than there were in um kind of middle of nowhere missouri right. and uh um and that, i'm also signed up for a six day race this summer in august is that so the uh I, six days redux uh, joe joe's race yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, I'll make no secrets there. If, if I'm in good shape, I'd love to go for Joe's record. Um, yeah. 606 record. 606, so, that's stout. Um, I got a long ways to go between now and then, but I saw, you know, it's seven, eight, nine months out. So, um, so yeah, so, it, you know, it's filling up quick and I think it'll be a fun year no matter what. Um, but, uh, no more, no transcons this year though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta get back to work <laughs> after this weekend i think we'll have a better understanding of what it's going to take to make that world team i think the the window for qualification is going to be open now until probably the beginning of may with the rescheduling of the 24-hour world championship so after solstice we'll we'll get a, a sense of i think what you're going to need at fast track to to do that i'm, I'm thinking it's going to be low to mid 150s i think yeah yeah you never know because you know you could have you know three, four, there's, you know, there's certainly like four guys that could do over 160 at desert solstice, sure. but will that happen? Right. You know, right. Almost certainly not. But, um, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be, I mean, I'm just excited to see people like Zach and, um, and Pat, mm-hmm. uh, at desert solstice. And then of course, John Olson, I think will be there. And mm-hmm. so it'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. And then uh, I think Courtney and Camille, both for the women and a couple other names there as well. So that's, it's really going to be a good time. Pete, before I let you go, we have to play the game that I play with all my guests who come on. We're going to play Desert Island Picks. I'm going to send you to a desert island for one year, and you have to tell me what you're going to bring. You can bring one book, one album, one meal, and one beer. What are you bringing to a desert island for a year? All right, all right. You'll have to, um, so one book. Um probably bring born to run oh good choice a few you know, people have done with that one already. A, yeah <laughs> and then one album gotta be goo goo dolls uh dizzy up the girl oh wow okay cool <laughs> going way back yeah um one beer modus hopperandi 
What what brewery is that from? Uh, what's the one in Durango? I don't know. All right, we'll do. Uh, we'll do Hop Stupid. Uh, who's that? What, what brewery is that? Lagunitas. Lagunitas Hop, Hop, Hop Stupid. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. We'll do that. It's got to be an IPA. Um, and then what was it? Was one, one meal. meal, one food or meal? Uh, I guess a Chipotle uh, um, steak bowl. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Pete, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck this weekend. Uh, I know you're not probably going to be pushing to your your usual standards, but uh, just have a great time and, and enjoy it out there. And uh, good luck in 2019. Can't wait to see everything going forward with you. Awesome. You too, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here in the Pain Cave. And until next time, keep putting one foot in front of the other. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky and the bus and feel upset to think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young. I was still young. And I was still